Welcome to this very exciting screening of the 1957 science fiction epic, They Came From Beneath the Sea. Directed, written, produced, edited, and poster designed by Michael Oldbay, we can see a disputed genius at work, learning his craft with virtually no budget. And for the first time, actors David Coyne, Wendy Donegan, and Jamie Nash have broken their silence. They have provided us with some exclusive commentary regarding the creation of this legendary classic. And remember to stay tuned for a post-credit sequence. So, sit right back and you'll hear a tale. A tale that will change your life forever. Ahoy, I'm Jamie Nash. Today I'll be playing Captain Chesapeake. He's kind of a cross between Quint from Jaws and Leslie Nielsen from Naked Gun. You can find out more about me on Twitter at Jamie underscore Nash. I am Wendy Donegan. I am playing Tulip Soft, a Kent Island local obsessed with finding the answer to world peace uh, through nature and her uh, self-taught science experiments. My name is Dave Coyne. Uh, I'm playing Nathaniel Bowe. He's the local sheriff. He's been in a position of authority his entire life, and he's going to keep things by the book here. You can find me, I think, still as DC Loogie online, if you're so interested. Captain, you have been disarmed. The sheriff has your weapon. And as the two of you have been scuffling, you've completely forgot to continue to reel in Tulip. Both of you are simmering. When Tulip breaks the surface of the, of the ocean, right next to the boat. There she is. If her foot is still attached to the, to the line, we should reel her in. You do it if you're so intent on taking the wimpy way out of this battle. It's not a wimpy way, it's an intelligent way. Tulip, can you hear me? Yes, I can. You guys, I almost drowned. Why did you, you, you stopped pulling me in and you won't believe it. There's like so many giant crabs down below and this seaweed thing is stuck in my hand. I couldn't even get to the harpoon. There's crabs, there's giant crabs and they're coming. Crabs bad, we're gonna pull you in. You can uh, thank your captain here for uh, the delay in that. I'm tugging on the wire. Oh. If we can get her safe aboard this ship, we can, we can come up with a plan. We all got to work together here. Down in the boiler room, I have three tons. I don't know if that's too much. I never <laughs> counted. Three tons of dynamite I prepared just for this moment. And it's in the boiler room and not your shorts. There's things in my shorts I'm not telling you about. That's between me and my shorts. We've seen plenty come out of your shorts. All right, so we have tons of dynamite. So what is your, uh, what is your thought here? Dozen crabs. How many crabs were there exactly? More than I could count. It looked like the entire seafloor was covered with them. But it was dark, you know, and I could only see with my sort of glowing bit of seaweed here. But it looked like so many. Captain and Sheriff, you can see that uh, Tulip's arm is completely enveloped in one of these uh, sort of maybe sentient seaweeds. Flopping around, the different edges of it are kind of flailing just a little bit, kind of softly. Tulip, this doesn't hurt at all. It, there's a, a tingling, and it seems like it wants to be attached to you, but it's not painful. And I, uh, I look down at my hand with the seaweed and its little 
movements and I can't tell whether it's friendly or not. So I, I attempt to pet it like gently. No, don't, don't, don't touch it, Tula. You got a seaweed problem. You should put that back in the box. Let me get the dynamite. I don't know that we need to blow it up. That would actually okay. blow the ship up, Captain. And, and my hand. Let's just put it back in the box for now. It's, it's not letting go. I can't get it off. I mean, it doesn't hurt. All right, let's go over to the box. You put it in the box with your hand. Cut her arm off. On the Easy now. Oh. On the right. count of three. On the count of three, I want you to pull your arm out as quick as you can. All right, so put your arm in the box. Sheriff, I, I'm trying to put my arm in the box, but as I do it, I, it's almost like it's resisting. It, it doesn't want to go in the box. I don't know if it's the box or... And, and when you started to pet it, you could almost feel like it was happy. Sheriff, I don't know why, but for some reason, I, I don't want to put it in the box. We have to do that. We have to do that so that we can get end that problem and move on to the giant crab problem. Just as much as you can, let me, I'll help. I'll put your arm in the box and on three, I'm gonna grab the seaweed and you tug your arm away as fast as you can. Okay, Are you okay. with me? Okay, yes, just just let me pet it one more time and tell it that I'm sorry. In, in case it, it, it feel, I, I feel like it, it like really knows what's happening, so. If, if you feel that's necessary, go for it. So, so I pet the seaweed and I say, I'm sorry, seaweed. I, I have to do this. I need my hand. It feels right. almost like a cat purring. It doesn't want to go. Sheriff, what are we going to... Maybe you... help us against the, the, the crabs. Give me the knife back. You distract her. I'll... I'll make it quick. We're not cutting off any limbs here. Oh, you're no fun. Chesapeake, you are just—you are a disturbed man. Seaweed, I, oh, how about I—how about I—I I, I tuck you in in my bathing suit, and then you'll be close. Just I'll—my I'll, hand will be free. This is I getting say, weird. I, I try and stuff my hand in my bathing suit, and try and pull off the seaweed. All right, then this would be a roll. Okay, yeah, I'll try persuasion and I guess presence because I'm trying to be connected with this little being. Yeah, so this really isn't trying to yank it off. This is just like trying to convince it it doesn't want to be on you. Yeah, that it can let go of my hand, but it'll be safe in my bathing suit, or we'll still be together. <laughs> okay. I have two eights. It feels to you like you're getting through to it. Maybe it's telepathy. Maybe it's because you just have a really green thumb. Maybe it's because plants like you. Describe taking it off and where it goes. All right, so I slowly pull like the little tendrils of its little flappy leaves one by one, but I try and do it really gently and I cradle it in my hands and I just sort of tuck it right in the top of my bathing suit. So I can look right at it, it's right there. And I, I pat it and I whisper to it, um, we'll, we'll be together, I'll take care of you. It comes off after a moment, you feel it start to spread out again. Um, and maybe the different uh, tendrils of seaweed start to go around your torso. They're not painful. Uh, it doesn't hurt, but it does definitely want to stretch out and hold on to you. It feels like a hug. Yes, it does. The sheriff, she like put it in her bathing suit and you can see it sort of wrap itself around her uh, 
starting to go around her, her chest. This seaweed is a seductive tactilian. On the surface, it may seem like it wants to be a friend. It wants to help you. It wants to comfort you. But it might just be capable of wiping out an entire species. You want to take that risk, Tulip. That's up to you. But I suggest you put it in the box as soon as you can. Certainly wouldn't put it in your bathing suit, given that descriptor. I take your words and I hear what you're saying, but this is just something I feel in my gut and I have to trust my heart on this. So the seaweed is going to stay in my bathing suit, at least for now. Now, listen, these crabs, this is a serious thing. They're, they're coming. And I don't know why you never mentioned all of this TNT in the boiler room. It seems like we've been floating on this giant death ship. My TNT is my business. It's not yours and not his, certainly not his. But now there's crabs that you've disturbed and they're going to attack. You've stirred the nest, the crab nest. The first thing they'll do is head for this ship and then they'll head for the town. Well, we have to, by all means, stop that from happening. So what are you suggesting? We just depth charge the TNT into the water and blow the crabs to smithereens? Well, the plan until you took away my knife was to go down there and seal the cave with the TNT. But now we're, it's too late for that. I guess we just run. We go, we go away. There's nothing that can stop them. They will destroy the town and they're not going to destroy me with it. They've already destroyed my family. We can't give up that easy. We've come too far. We're not prepared for this kind of situation. Unless the seaweed could teach us something. I wouldn't trust that seaweed as far as I could, well, throw it. I'm going to take a look over the side of the boat. I'm worried about these crabs. The three of you had been um, debating very intently for what feels like a long time. And when you finally turn away to go over to the side, you can see the light from a boat coming in your direction. It is nighttime. It is dark out. You have the big spotlight on your boat that's pointed at the water. Uh, and this other boat has a spotlight as well. It seems like they were headed in this direction, and now they're getting close enough to see that you're already there. All three of you can tell that this is that Coast Guard ship. Hmm. I don't trust these guys. We should hightail it out of here. Maybe we should. I told them it wouldn't be a problem. They're going to be mad if they find us here. So we're just going to leave and let the crabs do what they, they do. We, we, all this was for nothing. Well, no, we, it can't be for nothing. We, we all came together here for some sort of reason. I don't know what it is, but perhaps we can make our own destiny and, 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 and help save the town. Who knows? Maybe the whole entire planet from these, these crazy crabs. But Sheriff, you must have some sort of idea or some sort of plan. Yes, yeah, Sheriff. What's the plan? <laughs> I mean, are you, do you just want to shoot them all? Do you have more guns, perhaps, in your, in your car? Or maybe we could see if the seaweed would distract it, or? I still think we should try the TNT. Or we could tell the Coast Guard to handle it. This is their job. This is their problem. The Coast Guard that you don't trust. What makes you think they're going to handle it the right way? We're talking about the human race here. Chesapeake, I never thought you were a coward. Have you met him? 
This isn't being a coward. You haven't seen what I've seen. Well, now you have since the previous crab attacked the boat. You kind of have seen what I've seen. That's pretty much what you've seen. Yeah, I, you're right. <sighs> you talked me into it. We can use the TNT to destroy the crabs. Maybe we could lure the crabs onto the boat and then blow it up. Of course, first we have to evade the Coast Guard. You want to lure what sounded like an endless amount of giant crabs onto the boat. That's right. You got a problem with that? No, gentlemen, wait. We don't want the minnow to get destroyed. What if we use the crab suit? We put the TNT in the crab suit. The crabs will naturally be drawn to a, a crab-looking thing, and then the, and then we then the minnow takes off. I know this has been an important, even though it's sort of a piece of junk. I know it's really an important ship to you, and it's Bruce's home. I'm really thinking of Bruce here. You're right. Bruce needs a home, and this is a good one. We can go with the weird crab suit idea. All right, let's get all the TNT in that suit. Boy, that's going to weigh a ton, or three, as you pointed out. What do we do about the Coast Guard? How close are they? So the foghorn on the Coast Guard ship goes off. Uh, you are in its spotlight, and it has now slightly changed course to intercept. But you have maybe two minutes before you're within yelling distance of each other. Let's go set up the crab suit, and we'll let the sheriff talk to his Coast Guard buddies. He seems to have a rapport with Stan. All right, I'm right behind you, even though you were going to cut my arm off. It was all part of a plan. It was, a, it was for the greater good. So, Captain and Tulip, you're going below decks to start, uh, <laughs> to start putting a whole bunch of TNT into this, uh, this diving suit, this crab suit? That's right. Mm-hmm. I think so. Sheriff, you're still on deck. You watch them go below. What is your plan? How close is the Coast Guard? Are they right up on us now? Yeah, they're getting there. They're, they're coming right in. I guess my plan is to talk to Stan. Okay. I'll distract him. I'll stall him. So the Coast Guard ship comes up alongside, leaves a little bit of distance between your ship, and there is Stan right at the railing. In addition to the, the guy captaining the ship, there are two other men in the back that have uh, scuba diving equipment on. They're, first of all, curious about what you're doing here, but it looks like they're getting ready to go under. And Stan goes to the edge of the ship, goes over to the railing, looks at you, Sheriff, and says, Sheriff, what do you... I asked you to... What are you doing here? We got to follow maritime law, maritime procedure. You're not the Sheriff of the Ocean. Pick a skill, pick an attribute, and we'll see uh, if your alien powers can overcome this very committed uh, American <laughs> from his patriotic duty. His patriotic powers, right? <laughs> yeah. At this point, while I'm looking at Stan, I remove my sunglasses, which I've been wearing the entire time, revealing cybernetic robotic eyes. These eyes have many different functions, one of them being able to hypnotize the human being with the potential of changing their mind. And that is what I do. Technology and manipulation. That is three, four, five, die. One, eight. You take off the sunglasses. These implants start to move around. Little lights go off. And there's even like little, um, uh, like almost antenna that poke out of the end. Stan is maybe just far enough away 
something is coming over him and he can't quite focus. He doesn't quite understand. But instead of really being able to give him commands, he looks like he's sort of paralyzed or frozen. Okay. So he sort of freezes at the railing. Right. And doesn't move much. Uh, the other three men that you can see on the boat are kind of uh, going about their business, not realizing what's going on. And they're still about to jump in the water in their scuba suits then. Yes, they're, they're sort of in the back of the ship getting ready. It did the first part, but it didn't quite let you take over his brain. Right, right, right. But it's no good just to freeze him because I needed him to give the orders, not to, to jump uh, for the other men to jump in. So they're going to go forth with their thing. I, I put my sunglasses back on releasing Stan and yelled down uh, to Tulip in uh, Chesapeake. How's it going with that TNT? Well, and I yell back up, how's it going with the fuzz? Yeah, not too good up here. We need, to, we need to hurry up. Truth be told, we could probably spare a few government employees to save the world. I'll be able to sleep at night knowing that. Are you suggesting a sacrifice? I'm suggesting if they go in the water at the same time we drop that TNT, that's their business. Well, this got real, real quick. All right, Chesapeake. Let's just keep working on getting this dynamite into this suit. Ah, keep the seaweed in your pants. I grab the crowbar and open up the crates. And what I reveal is a bit of a surprise. Well, I have something to say about this TNT. It's not exactly TNT. I couldn't afford it on a crabber's salary. And I open it up. It's surplus Canadian fireworks. A big load of surplus Canadian fireworks. These are the good fireworks, the kind you can't get in this country because they're they'll blow your hand off. So <laughs> you want to attack the crabs with some fireworks. What part didn't you understand about surplus Canadian fireworks? The part when you initially described it as TNT. Well, it's like TNT. It's the same technology. You know, it's gunpowder, blows up, it explodes. It's just a little sparklier. It's a little more dramatic. Daddy-o, sometimes the answer is right in front of you the whole time, laughing. Is that a quip? It is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we're, what we're going to do, Chesapeake? We're going to make this work because we don't have any choice. We're going to take this ridiculous situation and this ridiculous fallacy that you fed us but we're going to make it work because i didn't know how the tnt was actually going to explode underwater anyway maybe that does work but so maybe it's better if it explodes on top of the water tulip you've uh you've used your quip so you're getting a bonus here so let's say that you're now building this explosive device using a skill and an attribute how are you going to prepare the crab suit to blow up so if i understand Stand the suit itself. I think we described it as chainmail in the shape of a crab. I, I think that maybe we could disguise the fireworks and make it look like crab food. And if it looks like a big crab that's holding crab food, then maybe the crabs will want to try and get the food, but it's actually fireworks and it'll explode on them. Crab cake. I like it. Chesapeake, you must have like, you know, um, chum or whatever you put in your crab trap somewhere. Do you have a bucket of raw chicken? It's 
packed right next to the fireworks. How convenient. So wonderful. We'll wrap this raw chicken around this fire, these fireworks, and then we'll strap them to the crab claws and see if it works. Brilliant. How's that plan coming along down there, guys? We are running out of time. Well, at this point, it is sort of survival and uh, resolve because I am determined to make this to make this work. Uh, and this is just to make sure that it's not going to blow up on the way upstairs and that whether or not it goes off later, we'll see. But this is just <laughs> to see if like this bomb works in theory. I have two sevens, two sixes, a five and two ones. Yeah, you are pretty sure that this is perfect. <laughs> Captain, you're not sure that this is perfect. This looks like the dumbest idea I've ever seen. And I've seen a lot of dumb ideas. I think we're all going to die here. <laughs> Camera cuts back on deck. Sheriff, Stan had stumbled. He sort of uh, fell to a knee. You could still see his hand on the railing. Uh, and he's slowly pulling himself back up, just looking purely bewildered, not having any idea what's going on. He's looking around. He can barely remember how he got there, very confused. And you can feel a sudden rise in humidity, almost as though the, all, the, all the humidity in the air is starting to congeal and to collect on your skin. Clothes are starting to get wet. And you can see over on the Coast Guard ship, those two divers in the back jump right off the back of the boat and hit the water. And they are under. And you feel it, a sense of impending doom. Oh, Shamrock. Uh, can I actually uh, go for the uh, eyes again? <laughs> Just do a second try at it. Or once you do an activity, you got to leave it alone. I think you could try it again if you can describe how you're doing it differently. Like okay. maybe if you got closer or if you were doing something yeah, I, yeah. Uh, plot-wise to augment it. Sure. I remove my sunglasses again and pop out both of my eyes, making tiny adjustments in the back of them. Of course, instead of seven electromolagatons, I needed to use 12 electromolagatons. Adjusted them. Back in the face. I aim once again at Stan and, and make a second attempt to change his mind and give the orders for them divers to come back up and get out of here. Technology <laughs> and manipulation. Right. I guess I'll use the same five, right? 110. So you can see Stan pulling himself back up, just baffled, just looking around like he has no idea what's happening. The rays shoot out of the antenna, sticking out of your robotic eyeballs. And it looks like a wave of electricity sort of goes through him. You can see the hair on the top of his head standing up as the humidity is also gathering around him. He stands very still. He looks at you, awaiting commands. He can carry out a very simple command. Go there, do a thing, and then that's about it. Stan, call your divers back onto the boat and leave. He turns without saying anything, and you can see him walk up to the bridge and pick up the radio. The captain of the ship seem surprised and you can't quite hear the conversation that they're having 
but the captain seems to be arguing with him and Stan is not responding. He still looks pretty blank. He's just speaking into the radio. That is when the captain and Tulip dragging this, uh, this crab chain mail diving suit arrive on deck. <laughs> I quickly put my sunglasses back on. Mm, just in time. How's it going? Are we ready to uh, serve some crab? Well, Sheriff, there's a slight change of plans. We have fireworks instead of TNT, but we had to improvise and hopefully this plan will work. Uh, what's going on with Dan? Wait, you said improvise. What kind of improvise? What's, what's changed? Well, there's raw chickens strapped to fireworks, which are attached to the crab claws on this suit here. And what is the purpose of the raw chicken? To attract the crabs to it, of course. The giant crabs will come to get this raw chicken and then the fireworks will go off. Uh, that's the plan anyway. When it was her plan, to, just to be clear. Wait, you're telling me that because the crabs are big, they'll eat chicken? Crabs are attracted to chicken. It's a common crabber thing. They like chicken. What a planet. Tulip, listen to me very carefully. Yes, Sheriff. Chicken meat is not going to attract those crabs. The only thing that will attract those crabs close enough to the fireworks, I'm guessing... It's people. It, I'm, it's not people. Oh. And if it, if it were, that would be your one job. But it's not people. I agree to disagree. It's your friendly seaweed monster that you have grown so attached to. You're going to have to make a choice here, Tulip. We have to put the seaweed monster on the crab suit with the fireworks, or we say so long to the human race. Your call. And with that, a giant crab sticks its giant claw above the water over on the Coast Guard ship, and then a second, and then a third, as these giant monsters begin to climb over that railing. The captain and Stan on the ship don't notice that they are being boarded by giant crabs. Sheriff, when I went down below, I didn't tell you the whole story. The, the cave itself was filled with all of these seaweeds. And the crabs didn't seem to be going after them. I've noticed that Bruce doesn't trust you. That also makes me wonder about you. And why are you always wearing your sunglasses? Are we sure this is the best plan? You have to trust me. It is the best plan. I have experience in these things. I can't explain it right now. It's dark outside. Why are you wearing sunglasses? Answer me that, Sheriff. While this is going on, I run to the, to the um, cabin to get on my radio to hail the other Coast Guard ship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you can see from the bridge that uh, Stan is on the radio uh, on their bridge and that the captain over there seems to be really annoyed and is gesticulating uh, with confusion and a little bit of uh, maybe anger. Stan looks very blank. He looks like the, his face has no emotion. He's just speaking into this radio. Coast Guard ship, you got crabs. You got crabs. You yell into your radio and you can see you have a great view of their bridge. Uh, Stan doesn't seem to react at all. But the captain 
suddenly jerks his head around and looks right at you, also very confused. Crabs! I tried to warn him. I start hitting my own horn as well, hitting the blow horn as I shout, Crabs! The captain starts to look around, not really sure what he's looking for. He's kind of confused. And then he sees these giant crabs that are climbing into the back of his boat. And you can see him pull a rifle and uh, head towards his door like he's going to start shooting at these giant crabs. I'm going to start the engine on, on my boat. Yeah, yeah. And I start to turn the ship toward the Coast Guard ship. It's not going to take very long, just the, just the change of course here, to get a lot closer. Chesapeake, what are you doing? I'm going to ram them. Okay. Are you actively ramming or are you, are you reaching ramming speed? Yes, I'm full speed ahead. To get into position to ram, you have to actually sort of loop out and then change your course and loop back. And uh, Tulip and Sheriff, you can tell that this is what he's doing. He is changing this, the direction of the minnow so that it will be able to collide head on into this Coast Guard vessel. Just when I thought there wasn't a plan more ridiculous than a chicken-laced crab suit, you're going to ram this smaller boat into the giant Coast Guard boat filled with giant... (sighs) Maybe this mission just isn't worth it. I remove my sunglasses and reveal my true identity to both of them. And what do they see? They see my robotic eyes. Hold up. Decides both of these men are insane. She doesn't want to be on the ship while it crashes into the other one. And so she decides that she's going to take one last chance. She's going to dive back into the ocean or back into the water and try and swim to that cave and get a bunch more seaweed instead of just this one that is like, she doesn't even think she could get it off her anymore. You do have a moment if there's anything that you want to grab to bring with you. Um, I whisper to my seaweed that I'm going to need some light. So if it could glow a little brighter, that would be awesome. (laughs) It's it's a very faint reddish glow that starts to come out of your bathing suit. All right. I feel like this is my best bet because the crabs are hopefully going to be distracted by this, this other ship and these collisions. Perhaps they'll even be distracted by the giant crab suit. So I'm hoping that the crabs will be distracted enough that I can make my way to the cave and bring some more seaweed back. So I'm diving into the water. I want to bring get get some more seaweed out of the cave and bring it back. Yeah, you, you both can see Tulip going to the railing and getting ready to jump off. Tulip, you dive off the boat. This is a great dive. You slice the water and you have great momentum. You're going back to the cave. Sheriff and Captain, you see her disappear beneath the water. She pretty much just sacrificed herself. At this point, I cut the engines. I marched down to the sheriff. What are you? A Sasquatch? Exactly. I knew it. That's all you need to know. Why are you here? Why are you on my boat? My initial mission was to save the human race, Chesapeake. I came in as disguised as a human being, a human sheriff. But my planet knows that this aquatactilian species that Tulip has grown so attached to, will quickly take over your species. We will change the whole planet into a crab-infested circus, which on the surface sounds kind of fun, but believe me, you don't want to pay the price of that ticket. We have to save Tulip now. 
It's our only hope. Maybe we, if we can get aboard that Coast Guard ship, they'll have some diving equipment and we can go down after her. So the ramming thing is is still I, happening? or I cut the engines. I had oh, cut the engines. Okay, okay. And once I saw Tulip jump, she saved my life. So the, the code of the sea compels me <laughs> to save her. Uh, the minnow did come around. So you both have a good view of the Coast Guard vessel. And you can see that there are now five giant crabs that have climbed onto, onto the Coast Guard ship. And the captain has opened the door to, his, uh, to the bridge. And he has the rifle out. And he is now beginning to shoot at these crabs with mixed success. Uh, you can also see that Stan has dropped the radio and is holding his head again. Like he doesn't know what he's doing or what's happening around him. So he is not helpful over on that boat. We get on that boat, get some diving gear. We get down there, save Tulip. And then we'll figure out the crabs later. Just beam over there or something. Do your Sasquatch thing. You haven't had a lot of experience with extraterrestrials, have you? I'm assuming you haven't had a lot of experience with terrestrials. Don't get crabby with me, Sheriff. Get over there and do something. Use your magic. If you're here to protect the planet, protect the planet. No, there's no magic involved. My mission was to find out who was in who is the culprit and that I've determined is the, uh, the glowing seaweed. I'll help you destroy the seaweed. Well, we have to save Tulip Tulip first. We have to save her first. I won't allow you to destroy the seaweed and her. Why are we talking about this? There's a bunch of crabs destroying people over on the coast guard ship. What if we try to throw the, the crab suit over to the coast guard ship and then we blow it up. (laughs) <laughs> that just sounds like a vendetta <laughs> against the Coast Guard. <laughs> they know what they signed up for. Maybe we can fire the crab suit into the air, launching chicken meat everywhere in a fiery explosion to distract the crabs, pull them away from the boat, and then we can sneak aboard the boat to get the diving equipment. The crabs are going to be more attracted to that seaweed attached to tulip than they are to chicken meat. So let's just say that we cut away from the two of you. Underwater, Tulip, you have great momentum. And as you're descending, descending, you see one of these Coast Guard operatives in scuba gear being overpowered by two giant crabs. This diver doesn't seem to have much time left. One of the crabs with his giant claw pinches hard. Then the camera cuts away before the water fills with red. But you dive and you dive, and we see you into the cave, coming up inside this air pocket. And there are are still a a lot of these balls of seaweed floating around in here. The seaweed that is on you almost feels as though it is crawling up away from your chest. It is crawling up towards your shoulders, and it starts to wiggle And as it does, these other clumps of seaweed seem to be attracted to it and are now coming towards you. I try and pet the seaweed gently on my shoulder. I tell it, we're in danger. The crabs are going to kill all of us. I'm hoping you and your friends can help us. Will you help? You don't feel any 
negativity coming from this seaweed. You feel a, a happiness, sort of a, a symbiotic relationship with it. And one of the other clumps of seaweed has gotten close enough that it is reaching out, trying to get towards your arm. Are you letting them come? Or are you going to try to avoid them? Or I'm letting them come. This one starts to crawl over your arm. And then another one gets close and starts to crawl over your other arm. And we can see that you are surrounded by all of these converging alien seaweed clusters. And the camera cuts back to the deck of the minnow. I'm frustrated with arguing with the sheriff. So finally, I pull out my trusty lighter. If you're not going to make a decision, I'll make one for the both of us. I throw it onto the crab explosive, the crab suit explosive. And I jump off the boat screaming, Bruce, fly! And I jump into the ocean. And Bruce takes off, just shoots right off of the, off of the bridge and starts circling over the ocean. Sheriff, you see the lighter hit and fall on this, um, on this whatever it is that they put together on the, the raw chicken and firework package. Captain, as you hit the water, it occurs to you that you didn't think this thing was put together very well. You're not entirely sure that it'll explode. I plug my ears just in case. As I go under, I try to dive deep to get away from the explosion. Sheriff, this lighter has fallen on this gigantic chicken and fireworks thing. I make an attempt to uh, just simply put it out. So you just pick up the lighter? Yeah, or maybe find a little thing of water and just douse it. Is, is that as an attempt? Is that a roll? It feels like we should have the possibility of something going wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, let's, let's say, um, uh, what is your skill and attribute here to, uh, to grab this lighter before something catches on fire? All right, so we'll start with athletics. I suppose dexterity then, I guess, yeah? Roll three die. All right, all right. Six, three, five. So I'll remind you again that you have cinematic powers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes, let me, let me have a look there. Does cheap set cover that? Yeah. <laughs> there was never any intent to have an explosion go off in this scene. It was just something that Captain Chesapeake improvised and he just dove into the water, leaving the rest of the cast thinking, what's happening? And we can see this camera starting to back up as though the operator is unsure of what to do next. And the camera cuts to the Coast Guard ship. And we can see that these crabs are climbing all over each other, headed up to the bridge. And the captain is shooting and shooting. And we see Stan on the bridge of the Coast Guard ship, sort of regaining his senses and looking around. And we can see that he is looking over, over to the minnow. And over on the minnow, it looks like there's a giant fire. And then we cut back to the minnow, and there is no fire. The deck is suddenly wet, and there is a charred mark on the deck. Captain, you come back to the surface of the water. There was no explosion. Sheriff is on the deck of the minnow, looking really annoyed. But from where you are bobbing in the water, you can see on the deck of the Coast Guard ship a big box that says, Extra Scuba Gear. Aha! Well, my distraction didn't work, but I can still go for the scuba gear. So I, I swim toward the ship, 
trying to stealthily swim so I'm not noticed by the attacking crabs. Let's do some stealth to see if they notice you. Skills probably, even though I'm not very good with it, is going to be athletics. Attribute, I'm going to go with cunning. I got 110 on the last one. Hold it out. All of the crabs are facing the, the ladder up to the bridge. There's still the occasional uh, rifle shot going off. It looks like one of the crabs has been hit a couple of times. It's leaking a sort of glowing fluid, but none of them are paying attention to you. I scan the boat. Is there a way onto the boat from the, the water? Is there any kind of ladder or rope or something I can climb or anything like that on this side of the boat? Absolutely. There is a ladder built into the side of the boat for emergency sea rescues. Okay. Well, I swim for that. And no one is noticing you. I quickly climb up it. Going for the scuba gear. How close are things to me? Not really far away. Okay. But they're definitely distracted by the man with the gun shooting at them. Then what I'm going to do is swipe the gear. Is there enough for, is there more than one? Yeah, I think there are two full sets of scuba oh, gear. The in perfect, this box. The perfect number. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to grab those. Now, at this point, I'm going to go for speed. And I'm going to jump back into the water with that stuff. You're able to put all that together. Sheriff, you see that uh, the captain has successfully boarded the ship. He's grabbed a bunch of scuba equipment, and he has now jumped off and looks like he's coming back towards you. I got to give it to you, Chesapeake. That was well done. I help him aboard uh, the Minnow. Help! I'm drowning! I'm drowning! Why are you talking? I'm drowning! He successfully gets back on the Minnow. Nice job. Oh, no he thanks said- to you. What did you do to my distraction? I could have been killed over there. It just didn't seem to work. I did nothing. Well, here, here's some scuba gear. We're going to go down on a rescue mission for two. No, here's, here's the plan. Okay. My species is terrified of water. I can't survive in water, and personally, I can't swim. You're going to have to do this by yourself. Chesapeake, listen to me. Listen to me carefully. Don't you dare try to hypnotize me. I know what those eyes do. I've seen Sasquatch. I'm keeping before. the sunglasses Okay. On. Just wanted to make sure. All right. What you have to do at this point is go down there by yourself and you have to convince Tulip to also convince the Aquatactilians that she's connected with to stop this overtake of a planet. She seems to actually have some sway. If there's any of Tulip left in that brain, she may be the only hope to get them to change their plan. This doesn't involve chicken. It doesn't involve TNT or anything else from your shorts. It's just, I'm counting on you to persuade her. That's the dumbest plan I've heard since exploding crab suit. I love it. I grab my hammer and I suit up my mallet, my crab mallet. (laughs) Excalibur. In the meantime, you have to keep these crabs off of us, Sheriff. Tulip, the captain is now fully in his scuba gear as he's getting ready to dive underwater to rescue you. They see you rising up from the ocean, completely covered in seaweed, as though you are a giant seaweed alien yourself. That kind of looks like Tulip. And you are standing on the back of a massive giant crab that is acting as your hoverboard. What has been communicated to you uh, through this alien seaweed is that what they really want 
is this nuclear-powered propulsion engine that the Coast Guard has been testing out. They took one from that ship uh, they attacked earlier. This Coast Guard ship also has one of these prototypes, and your goal is to get it out of this boat. There's something you don't see every day. I fear it's too late. I take a snapshot with my Polaroid just for the photo album. I notice them on, on the boat, and I, I call to them, gentlemen, the, the answer has been communicated to me. We humans are the enemy. We must dismantle that ship and take off the nuclear device out of the bowels of the ship. And I and my seaweed and my crab are going to take the nuclear bomb for our own. I think Tulip's gone native. There's got to be a little bit of Tulip left in there. She doesn't trust me at all. And as crazy as it sounds, she has a little faith in you. You saved each other's lives. Now you can save the human race. I mean, gentlemen, the, the planet could be destroyed with all of this terrible, awful nuclear technology. The crabs only want to, to, to stop our own self-destruction. This is what I've been trying to do. I, I want to save the planet. I want to save all of us. They said a very similar thing to my home planet. This is insanity. These crabs, they don't want to help us. They killed my family. They destroyed my boat. Don't you see? They're lying to you. I turn and manage to steer my hoverboard crab close enough so I can look Chesapeake right in the eyes. I say, Chesapeake, this is the moment right here, right now. Are you sure that these are the same crabs that killed your family? Chesapeake, as she asks you that, you notice one of the giant crabs over on the uh, Coast Guard boat that has a knife embedded in its shell. That was your father's knife. He had it with him the last time you saw him as he f was fighting for his life against the giant crabs. Crabs! There's a crab over there with the knife of my father embedded in it. These are the exact same ones, these evil things. Either you are with us or you're against us. I immediately grab Chesapeake's giant crab mallet Excalibur and proceed to smash the hoverboard as hard as I can. Ah, uh, you want to attack the crab? In hopes to free Tulip. The sheriff has picked up Excalibur. The sheriff looks like he is about to come down with a massive blow on this giant crab. Kind how does omniscient sense. narrator work? The actor explains how they took over directing the scene. Can, can I use that as well, the kind of takeover? Yes. The sheriff smashes Excalibur down on the crab. But in that moment, the captain has a flashback. He looks over to the other boat. He begins remembering his family and the the sadness and the terror of it all. And he begins to shake and quiver and tears flow down his eyes. At that point, Tulip looks over and sees the tears of this sea salty captain. And it touches her heart in such a way 
that she's able to overcome the control the seaweed has over her. And she realizes that the seaweed may not be allies after all. They might indeed be evil overlords trying to take over our planet. Tulip, you have this emotional resonance and realization as the sheriff almost dives over the railing and smashes this crab that you're standing on, jarring you loose. You lose your balance and fall off of this crab, but you're still bobbing in the sea, realizing that perhaps the seaweed does not have your best interests at heart. And I I look at Chesapeake and I start to remember back when my parents died and how they had that weird seaweed as well. And that adds to this growing belief and this growing realization that actually, no, I can't trust the seaweed, but I'm literally encased in it. And I don't know exactly what to do at this point. Well, what does go through your mind is that as you were leaving the cave covered in seaweed and they were helping you breathe underwater, you did get a glimpse of something in that cave that might have been a spaceship. I yell back to Chesapeake. I think inside the cave, there is a spaceship. For whatever reason, this friend or likely foe seaweed was helping me breathe underwater. Perhaps we should all go and swim down to this spaceship. At this point, I turn to the sheriff. Listen, you Sasquatch-blooded lawman. There must be something you know about this ship. Yeah, no, it's it's a familiar traveling vehicle for the Aquatactilians. It's it's actually aiding and sustaining these seaweed creatures. If we can reverse that, it's a long-term plan, but eventually they would they would they would die along with the giant crabs. Listen to me. When I was a young boy, I was scared of the dark. And my mother would hold my hand and sing me a lullaby. And I wouldn't be afraid anymore. What if I do that for you right here? We can hold hands and dive together and I'll sing you that seafaring lullaby, a sea shanty. Are we uh, putting the scuba stuff on or are we just going full karaoke? The words won't be as good with the thing in my mouth, but you'll kind of get the gist. All right. Put the scuba suit on. Let's go for it. Sheriff, as you're getting that scuba gear on, the three of you notice that uh, over on the Coast Guard ship, those crabs are moments from breaking onto the bridge. It looks like Stan has crawled out a window and is standing alone on the bow of the ship with nowhere to go. And it looks like the captain is still standing his ground on the bridge, shooting at these giant crabs as they break through the door. One more thing. I think we should ram the minnow into that ship to take care of the crabs once and for all and set the crab suit on fire, blowing those crabs up, giving us time to dive down. I'm a little confused about the order of this plan. So are are we setting a course for ramming the Coast Guard, then jumping off of the minnow? That's right. So we're simultaneously diving down to the spaceship underwater while while your boat rams the Coast Guard boat. Is that correct? Can you fly that spaceship? I could, but that sounds like a different plan altogether. (laughs) If if we destroy the minnow, 
the only way we'll be able to get back home is for you to fly us out of here. It's worth a shot. <laughs> okay, set the crab suit on fire. I'll set course for the Coast Guard boat. Sorry, Coast Guardies, you'll just have to die. So the goal is not to try to save the minnow. It's just to, both these boats are being written off, right? Sounds like it. That's what I'm thinking. So I was thinking we could just light it on the ship, on the and minnow. Then, and just let the oh. minnow crash in, right? That's we're, right. We're actually That's off right. the boat by then. That's what, what I was thinking. Yeah. Light it. And then dive the off. Dive, right, right, right. But it failed before because of budget. I guess uh, the props department hit the lottery. They came into some money, like in mid-production. They decided to use miniatures and a firecracker. Yeah, you could do cheap set with that. That's just right. very obvious that these are like two Hot Wheels boats in a bathtub. Right. Director Michael Old Bay was uh, very hesitant about using uh, too many fake miniatures, but seeing it was the only way to stay true to the script, they uh, could afford uh, two tiny little boats uh, in a tub, some simple fireworks to create this effect. The camera shows the sheriff putting this, this bomb together in a way that looks very dangerous. Captain, you have a few moments alone on the bridge, knowing that this might be the last time that you are on the minnow again. Goodbye, minnow. You served me well. I pat the steering on the top, set course right for the Coast Guard ship, throw the engines in full, and then call out on the speaker, Coast Guard ship, jump! And then I put it down and rushed rush to do my own dive in the water before the big boom. We see a series of shots of the minnow getting closer and then closer and then closer and then a wide shot from very far away so you can almost see the edge of the bathtub as these two boats spark and pop and bump into each other. The camera cuts to see the three of you underwater. Uh, the, the two men in their scuba gear diving and swimming and Tulip as a seaweed monster moving very gracefully throughout the water, leading them down to the cave. Yes, from Peach. I oh, think you owe me a song. <laughs> Tulip, you guide these two into the mouth of the cave and down to the seafloor where this spaceship is uh, resting, obscured a little by silt, but you're pretty sure you see a hatch where you can enter. So I, I swim down to the hatch and I try and move enough little seaweed leaves out of the way of my fingers so that I can actually manipulate the hatch. And I notice that the seaweed is now not glowing quite as brightly as it was. And the camera cuts and the three of you, completely dry, but still in your costumes, are standing in this spaceship. Very Jaws 4. We have to find the engine room. Show us the way, I think Sheriff. It does look vaguely familiar. This, is, this was part of my studies before we uh, attempted this mission. Yeah, I think it's right here, down here. Be careful, Tulip. If he tries to probe me, just cough or something. Don't flatter yourself. Your song wasn't that good. I saw you crying in your mask when we dove down. 
I noticed a panel with a bunch of flashing lights. This is it. We have to crack this panel and reverse the polarity. Smash it with the hammer. Not, not, not that. We'll, we'll just crack the panel. <laughs> I think I'll just turn this here and look at that. How nicely it opened. Well designed. There'll be plenty of other things to smash uh, once we're home. Jarrah. Clearly, you and Chesapeake have come to some sort of understanding while I was in the cave. Your strange eyes and your knowledge of this ship. There's something about you that I don't know. He's a Sasquatch. A what? Yeah, that's what he likes to call me. I An just abominable snowman? No, I just didn't challenge it. Yep. No, I'm from another, another planet. I was sent here to uh, save the human race from the Aquatactilians at as you've had the most experience with, they, um, they get into your mind, they get into your heart, make you think things you don't want to think. They can change your entire personality. And it all begins in this spaceship because this panel contains a recogulation malofulator. Don't ask me to say that again, which sends out a signal to the seaweed, which in turn, the seaweed develops the crabs to take over the earth. Anyway, that's not important right now. What we have to do is reverse the thing that I said earlier. The recogulation monofulator. Yes. We need hey, to turn it into a monofulating recogulation. Watch your language, pal. So the camera slowly pans around this room. Sheriff, you're pretty sure that you can do all of this tech. You can at least give this technical stuff a shot. Oh, yeah. But you're not going to be able to do that and pilot this ship at the same time. Tulip you happen to notice that there is an entire area of this, this giant circular room that has what looks like little tiny containers of miniature seaweed, perhaps a nursery. Baby seaweeds. I walk over close to it and I notice that all of the little sea, the big seaweeds that are wrapped around me are starting to glow very brightly. And their little leaves and tendrils, which were once only wrapped around me are, are starting to separate and let go a little bit and move towards the little nursery, the little babies. Sheriff, I'd like you to roll to take control of the ship to do all of your technical mumbo jumbo. Technology and intellect. Oh, <laughs> nothing. Uh-oh. You've opened up this panel and you're starting to move things around, but things don't seem to be working the way you want them to. Captain, it looks like three seats that were made perfectly for sentient seaweed to pilot this thing. But it doesn't look all that different from the minnow, does it? I can fly this thing. If I can pilot, Captain, whatever I do to the minnow, I can pilot this thing. I sit down in the chair and I try to start the engines. So it's probably pilot and... Probably intellect. And I failed on all rolls. <laughs> oh, the dice are not on our side. And Tulip, you want to uh, convince the seaweed that it is in their best interests to get off of you. And so I press the seaweed size button and I see the door open automatically. And all of a sudden, even the little babies in there their little tanks start to wriggle around and become excited. 
the big seaweed, one by one, starts to separate, come off of me, but they stay connected to each other. So it's almost like one big, long chain of seaweed that goes in through the door and starts to wrap itself and encircle all of the little, the little baby tanks. Persuasion and presence. 110. You're very encouraging emotionally and psionically. And all of these seaweeds sort of uncoil and depart. They all leave you alone and they crawl into this nursery to be with these baby seaweeds. Sheriff, you're super annoyed that your plan has not worked. And Captain, at the controls, eh, this is not like driving a boat. The stupid alien technology... And I kind of smash the uh, controls, not in a damaging way, just pal my fist, and kick the chair and get up. Sheriff, certainly you must be able to do something here. This Isn't this the whole reason you were here? Yes, there is something I can do. Tulip, bring me one of the baby seaweed samples. So I go and I'm able to find a way through the little sort of wall of grown seaweed um, but there's a space that I can fit my hand in and pull out one of the seaweeds, and I hand it to the sheriff. Excellent. Thank you. You see, on our planet, Tulip and Chesapeake, these aquatactilians are basically just a buffet. I'm going to threaten to eat this baby seaweed, and my digestive system is capable of taking it. What I need you to do, Tulip, is convince these seaweed creatures to give me the code to this so that I can reverse the polarity of the or whatever I call it before I devour this baby seaweed creature. I'll do my best. Go back over to the nursery, stick my arms in there so that I'm, I'm making contact with as much of the seaweed, the big seaweed as I can. And I tell it, the sheriff is a crazy man. He's going to eat your baby. Unless you give us the code. Uh, that sounds like persuasion and maybe manipulation. Yes. I look back at the sheriff and I say, more proof that the term should be nature kind and man, not mankind and nature. All right. <laughs> uh, six, roll six. 110. You feel like they are very sad about the possibility of their baby being eaten. They communicate to you telepathically so that the sheriff can do what it is that he wants to do. What did they say, Tulip? There's some rods in there, and you'll notice that they're all pointed stern side. Of course. Turn them port side. And that's so simple and yet so elegant. Indeed. These are intelligent beings, after all. And quite tasty with the right sauce. All right, there are seven rods. I'm going to turn seven rods and see if it works. One, two, three, four. We're still here. Five, six. This is the final rod. I just want you to know that if something goes wrong on this final rod turn, it's been a pleasure. Seven. There is a hum inside the walls of this ship. And you feel like this is successful. You have successfully recalibrated the Flamingo Jigger. 
That's exactly what I needed to do. You feel like piloting the ship may be difficult, but if you could figure that out somehow, you could launch this ship so I could refer you all back to your cinematic powers. You have five more points, and it feels like we're nearing the end of our narrative. The deleted scene is when I'm about to dive out and I say, fly Bruce, Bruce comes up to me and he speaks and he said, remember the blue button (laughs) and he flies away. And and it doesn't make any sense. So that's why we deleted it because it was way too avant-garde for the audience we were going for. (laughs) The camera shows Chesapeake just staring at these controls. There's a blue button, there's a purple button, there's an orange button. None of them make sense, or do they? Wait, Bruce told me before he flew away, press the blue button. Now it all makes sense. Press the blue button. I press the blue button. And there is a vibration through this entire ship. All of the panels light up. All of the gears start to turn. And all of the tubes have liquids running through them. And suddenly, this does feel much more like the Minnow's controls than it did a few moments ago. You are in control of this ship, Captain. If you can pilot a Minnow, you can pilot a spaceship. I put it in gear, raise the ship into the, into the air. There's a camera on the shore looking far out at the ocean. And we can see... An eruption of water as this spaceship explodes from beneath and is hovering above two ships that are on fire in the Chesapeake Bay. We can see roasted crabs aboard the Coast Guard vessel, and we can see two men swimming towards shore, and the spaceship hovers for a moment. And the camera cuts inside to see our three protagonists standing together over the control panel. Set a course for home, Captain, wherever that is. Aye, aye, Sheriff. And I zoom off over the prom and fly off into the setting. Well, it's dark. The dark. <laughs> into, the, into the fifth star from the left or something. I, I was going to get off before we... But okay, I, I hit the brakes. <laughs> Turn back around. No, no. Oh, I meant your home. Oh my God. Okay. But I, no, no, no. We we can take off into the. I was. I thought no. Well, I'll I'll drop you off. So no, no, fly no. back. Where Where do you live? I, <laughs> Cut to Bruce doing a face palm. <laughs> well, Sheriff, tell me tell me about your planet. You have come to visit our planet. Perhaps Chesapeake and I can come help you on your planet with our special abilities that we've certainly proven ourselves. Well, Tulip, that is a wonderful thought, but I think a story for another time. And the music swells, and the credits roll. The end. (laughs) Close up on the ocean. Closer, closer, closer. A crab claw bursts from the sea. Da-da-da, the end. But it's only regular size. It's regular size. (laughs) (laughs) They Came From Beneath the Sea was developed by Matthew Dawkins and published by Onyx Path Publishing. 
You can find out more about this game by visiting theonyxpath.com, or you can find the links in our show notes. Aaron Mixon is our announcer. Dave Coyne, Wendy Donegan, and Jamie Nash can be found on IMDb. I recently interviewed Jamie about his new book. He wrote a book called Save the Cat Rights for TV, and we talked about it over on the Playwriting Podcast, Theatrically Speaking, which is also a part of the Actual Story Podcasting Network. The interview with Jamie is in episode number six. If you're interested in knowing more about him or about playwriting or how Save the Cat Rights for TV applies to playwriting, check out episode number six, and you can find out more about that at actualstorypodcasting.com. Next week, we are beginning an intermittent campaign of Brindlewood Bay. We'll play through a series of murder mysteries that connect with a larger story arc, sort of like a season-long arc. Now, we're going to break up that campaign with other games in between the Brindlewood Bay episodes. So, GMing RPG Anthology has been a fantastic experience. Playing these games for the first time in public (laughs) is a little intimidating. Uh, And then with changing groups of players with completely different experiences and styles has really made me think about using different techniques in these different situations. Something that maybe if you have the same group that you're playing with over an extended period of time, maybe you don't think about these different ideas. So with Nerves of Steel, for example, that entire game hinged around strict adherence to some of the rules. And when you go from that to they came from beneath the sea, my approach was very much that the players here could pitch any wild idea in order to make the game feel like a film. And for this group that was making a podcast and playing this game for the first time, it felt right to be loose with the rules from time to time. Now that said, I fully intend to play this game again with super crunchy adherence to all the rules. This game is very flexible in that regard, and if you have had fun listening to it, I would recommend you check it out. Now here's a fun bonus bit. In this episode, I removed about a five-minute discussion about the cinematic power deleted scene. I took that out of the episode proper because it was all out of character. Our entire game moved pretty fast, and mostly I trimmed out bits around dice rolling and discussions about which skills and attributes applied in that moment in order to keep it flowing, keep the pace up. But the cinematic discussion was different. We all just stopped and brainstormed different possibilities for that moment. What was really interesting is that this whole conversation reminds me of a writer's process and trying to figure out what comes next. So, I thought I would stick it here at the end, and I hope that you like it. And if you do like it, maybe consider telling a friend. Cool? All right. I'll see you next week. In the true spirit of deleted scenes, though, it's mm-hmm. like it feels like we insert a scene from back in time. It's kind of like the Bill and Ted of it all that helps us now. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of like um, like the deleted scene is the is the sheriff was studying uh, some way to to hotwire her spaceship or something. Uh, and then it, it's like you want to add something. I'm trying to find the perfect, the deleted, the deleted. right, right, right. Because as opposed to a, like a Deus Ex Machina, which would be like the bird just swooping in and flying us away, it could mm-hmm. be this scene's deleted. But um, <sighs> what's the good? What's the good answer here? 
Well, if ultimately it's going to be Chesapeake flying us out, the deleted scene has to be, or could be, it doesn't have to be, but, mm-hmm. you know, it could be just, you know, h- how do you actually know? So, right. So some of the ideas, either maybe Bruce did it, you know, you, or like, yeah, like you remember there was that one thing they did on Gilligan's Island and one thing they did and you put it all together or um, like, what could you? I like bringing Bruce back though. I think that's kind of cool, right? And that it's something that mm-hmm. the captain yeah. just suddenly remembers, wait, you know, and he could, I guess that means he has to, cause now we got to get Bruce underwater too. Mm-hmm. If he's like an alien or something. That right, right. If he was indeed, uh, or even just technology, a robot the whole time. Could the, could the deleted scene be um, the sheriff doing his eyes at Bruce? And because Bruce is a bird, he's much more um, susceptible to mind control. He could be. I just, I don't, still don't know how that would get him underwater. So unless he was a robot or, or something. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, the last we heard of him, you yelled "fly." You were like, right. "Bruce, fly!" Right. right. I, I like. I kind of like the hypnosis thing, but it would be like, I don't. I. I mean, it is a B movie. Uh, maybe Bruce comes back with a flock of birds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To raise the ship. Um, but that, that would imply that the deleted scene was somehow the sheriff knowing we would be in this predicament and he hypnotized Bruce to go get a bunch of birds. What what, what if a deleted scene? I here this is this is the real simple Deus Ex Machina kind of thing. What if a deleted scene I showed you a tattoo that I woke up with after my my uh, thing, and it's like the schematic. It's like the instruction manual for how to fly the ship. Like I never knew what it was because it's alien writing, but right. then the sheriff will look at it and be like, I know what that, but then I would have shown it, but I could have shown it to, to somebody else earlier on. Uh, I could have shown that tattoo. Right. Um, and maybe now it peeks out and you go, I know what that is. And I rip my shirt off and, and you can view the instruction manual for how to fly the ship. What were you going to say, Wendy? Sorry. No, and I, I'm sorry. Could it be like you've had this weird dream? You know, like I dreamt about this moment. I could never make sense of it. And now all of a sudden, you know, push the purple button or whatever it is. Like I had all these dreams about the purple button. Now I know why. Right, right. Although that leaves Bruce out. <laughs> Bruce. Well, we can always just tie Bruce back in into the end if he's not... Uh... It could be an orange button because Bruce is orange. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll never see Bruce again. Wait a minute. <laughs> what color is Bruce? Dun, 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 dun. Okay, I, I think I I think I, I think I have it. Okay. Um yeah, it got it got an ending. We got to an ending. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we spent how long did we spend coming up with that deleted scene? And Jamie said, Yeah, I got it. Bruce just tells me the blue button flight. (laughs) (laughs) That's how brainstorming sessions go, right? We spit everything out on the table and someone says, I'm just going to eat this cracker. It was kind of neat that uh, the whole thing 
flowed really well until the moment where it was like, wait, we have to end it. And then just like <laughs> stopped. It's like how it is with, with every story. <laughs> wait, wow. this has to end. Right. It's like right. a Stephen King novel. Couldn't figure <laughs> out the ending. 